It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Well, he walked in, and it was kind of like the old TV show, uh, Matt Dillon and Chester. And uh, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Is that all you're going to say? No. I'm very happy that your knee surgery went very well. Thank you. I'm very happy that uh, you're up and about and you're smiling. Uh, Word of uh, advice, don't kick the cat. (laughs) Don't kick the cat. Or the dog. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) No, I'm doing great, Zeb. It's been about 10, 11 days and uh i i'm feeling really good i mean i you know if it keeps going like this i think i'm going to come out of it fairly quickly and do fine absolutely and i know that with all your money i know you've hired your own private chauffeur and cook really oh sure you know i've got a chef you know lobster and prime rib every night you know there's a word for what you're saying i think it's called lying no i had another one <laughs> Okay. But anyhow, how are you anyway? No, I'm doing good. good. I really am. Good. And I, I appreciate the listeners that have uh, contacted me and, and uh, wished me well on the surgery. I appreciate that. Well, now, have you had anybody contact you with story information or anybody you want to mention? Um, you know, I was going to look before I came and I forgot to look. But, yeah, I've seen, a lot of times I'll get uh, people that will suggest a story about something. And a lot of times I'll look it up and go with it. I so see. I appreciate that folks to you know if you hear something that uh or would like to hear let me know well with your addition of your vincent van gogh what do you call that thing on your face i don't know just fuzz it looks like the south end of a goat going north <laughs> but anyhow Thank you. i was going to comment that uh, what are we going to talk about this morning we're going to talk about a cattle drive really and this is a uh, i like this one because it's uh, a young man 19 years old and his kind of his experience his story oh it's it, a, like a diary kind of yeah because he kind of kept track and wrote about what he experienced oh okay. yeah so the boy is a 19 year old redhead named Bayless john fletcher okay. okay so i'll just call him fletcher but he hired out in the spring of 1879 his trail boss would be a guy named named george arnett so keep that na- name in mind arnett okay he's the he's the trail boss okay now he had been a former confederate soldier he had been an indian fighter who had been employed to drive 2500 cattle 
which was about an average size trail her, uh, head back then, um, from just north of Corpus Christi, Texas, to the vicinity of Cheyenne, Wyoming, a distance of 1,200 hard and perilous miles. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, this is, <laughs> you know, we'll get into it. But it, Why do people think that being a cowboy and driving cattle was such a glorious life? You know, that's a good question, because when you look into what they went through, and what they had to do to live daily. Right. And the pay they got. Uh, yeah. You got to wonder, you know, and all the things they put up with. Yeah. But anyway, so the drive began on April 11th. Uh, this and um, this was a mixed herd of cows and calves, which tended to drive poorly because the mothers and their young wandered around looking for one another. Oh, boy, that could be a wreck. Yeah. And now, and I hadn't thought of that before, but when you have cows and calves, you know, mostly you think of just a bunch of steers, yep, right? Yep. Yeah. So to make the drive more orderly, the trail boss, Arnett, had brought along a few steers as leaders. Now, trail hands uh, said that it was the lead steers initiative as much as the cow hands prodding that kept the animals going. Now, as the steers moved naturally to the front, the cows and calves followed behind in a ragged line of march. And while the trail boss rode ahead, other cowboys of the 10-man crew took holding positions on the, on the sides, on the flanks. The worst job fell to the drag riders who came at the rear, breathing dust through bandanas as they kind of harassed the lagging cattle. Now, here's a question for you, Zeb. If you're the drag guy and you're back there eating de- dust, would it be a good idea to wet your bandana or not? Oh, I would. Okay, well, then you're going to be uh, breathing through mud. Yeah, but I'm going to carry 73 bandanas. <laughs> okay. okay. Right. I, you know, there is nothing more frustrating, and I know you've probably done this, but to be trying to move a bunch of doggone cows with calves, and all the calves are pretty quick back in your lap, behind your horse, everywhere else, and it's just not yeah, nice. yeah, It's not it, fun. Yeah, it'd be a whole different ballgame with all those calves. Oh, my. But anyway, so trouble came the second day out as the herd was passing through the town of Victoria. So picture this. They're going through a town. In Texas. In Texas, Victoria. There was an old woman outside, and she flapped her sunbonnet at the passing cattle. This might not be good. To keep them off her roses. Uh Uh-huh. The lead steers stampeded, doubling back against their followers, and Longhorns soon flashed in every street in town. <laughs> this didn't do good for the Chamber of Commerce, did no it? No one was hurt, yeah. but it took the trail boss, Arnett, and his boys several hours to stop the cattle, line them up, and get them going again. I would imagine that there was probably things said like, doggone it. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, you know how we how we talk back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I will use a few of those today. I see. <laughs> So it was a bad start. Made worse a few nights later, young Fletcher and his night guard partner, they did something they shouldn't have been doing. They dismounted and were warming themselves at a fire. You don't do that. You're not supposed to get off your horse. When you're riding, you know, night guard, you stay on. You stay on your horse. Well, Suddenly, the bedded cattle jumped to their feet and took off in a stampede. Oh, boy. Now, the next morning, 100 cows were missing, and at this point, there was four hard-looking men that rode up and offered to find the missing animals for a dollar a head. Hmm. Okay? Now, the, the boss, George Arnett, 
correctively thought that he was dealing with the very men who had started this stampede. Ah, All right. on purpose. Yeah, so he offered them 50 cents. Well, the men accepted, but brought back only 60 head. Now, Arnett's trail scouts rounded up another 20 strays, and that left about 20 cows that had probably been successfully rustled. I see. So you don't think about somebody else coming in and, and starting a stampede. Yeah, but you know, the scenario you just gave, Ken, is almost like part of the movie, the John Wayne movie, The Cowboys. Yeah. You know, with the four guys, uh, only it was more than that in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so here we go. More than two weeks later, with the herd in uh, central Texas now, the sky opened up with a hailstorm and that picture this hailstones as big as quail eggs pelting birds and rabbits to death and raising welts on the men so bruising and numerous that the skin later sloughed off holy the storm God. of course caused her to scattle it's a scatter and had to be rounded up again now I've that never, is big hail now i've never been in hail that big no. you know but, You're sure painting a picture of being a cowboy being yeah, fun. this is great, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> okay, this was the only hailstorm of the trip for which young Fletcher was duly grateful. And working out on the prairie with no natural shelter, cowboy, they, cowboys dreaded hail, and a man could protect himself only by quickly dismounting and covering his head with his saddle. Yeah. That would be the only protection. Yeah. Now, four days after the hailstorm, the herd approached Fort Worth. And this was the biggest town on the Chisholm Trail. Now, if you think about a trail, this had been trampled smooth to, it was as wide as 200 to 400 yards wide yeah. uh, by millions of cattle. Now, beyond Fort Worth lay three weeks of easy going with good grass, quiet weather. But uh, then, you're headed for Cheyenne, right? Right. Uh-huh, yeah. But then there was a barrier of critical importance to every cowboy driving north from Texas, and that was the Red River. With quicksand, it was lined with trees that bearing tangles of driftwood in their high branches, which is marking the high water of the past floods. And here, a scattering of graves held the bones of men who had died while attempting to make the crossing. Wow. Now, young Fletcher and the herd caught the Red River when it was low and fordable. So, not too bad. Okay? And they were doing fine. That was the number one fear of cowboys in the Old West. Yeah. Crossing rivers. Yeah. Quicksand and and flash floods, all that. Well, in mid-crossing, the cook stopped his wagon to fill the water barrel. The whole rig promptly sank to its axles in quicksand. Oh, boy. The draft oxen, straining and twisting, ripped off the wagon tongue. So, turning carpenters, the cowboys cut a cottonwood pole and sloshed into the water to bolt it to the wagon as a substitute pole. Then they borrowed two more yoke of oxen from another outfit that was waiting to cross, and together the six animals managed to drag the wagon across. I see. So they did get it across. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, the men were in Indian territory, uh, though by 1879, the Indian hazard had kind of waned. So Fletcher was excited. I'm uh, trying to picture where they're at right now. Um, I'm not exactly sure. Um, 
I could look on are this they, map. Are they out of the Panhandle and headed uh, northwest? No, they're still right? they're still up into Texas. I see. So I see here on the map where the Red River okay. is still in Texas. So, uh, but it's Indian territory, and the Indian hazard had kind of lessened. But uh, Fletcher was excitedly aware that they were heading across 300 miles of wild and lawless land belonging to the Indians, and many of them were still unfriendly. And as reasonably educated young Fletcher, uh, he knew everything about Indians that could possibly be learned from the novels of James Fenimore Cooper. In other words, he didn't know anything about Indians, yeah, he, other than what he'd read in books. He was a drugstore cowboy. He, yeah. So he took his Winchester carbine, which had been stowed in the wagon, stuck it into his saddle scabbard. The other boys got their six-shooters bright and strapped them on. This doesn't sound good. Well, it's not too bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> So here's what he said. He said, we marched on armed to the teeth. He said, uh, nothing much happened, and the boys vented their frustration by shooting at rabbits and rattlesnakes. Then, on a mid-June morning, they spied, riding in a circle around them, Indians. Uh-huh. Okay, the chief approached. Uh-huh. And here's what he said. Maybe so, white chief, give Indians some beef. Indian mighty hungry. Papoose mighty hungry, women mighty hungry. And this was the typical way that they would come up to the cowboys. And most of the time they did. They'd give them a few cows, yeah, you know, yeah. just to keep the peace. Well, the days that followed in Indian territory passed uh, the prairie unfolding before the trail riders. Now picture this, mile on mile, the cowboys could see nothing but this expanse of seared brown grass. Just You look into the distance and you see nothing but this grass. And the only sounds were the crack-crack of the cow's ankle joints, the steady thudding of hooves, and it had to be a little boring you know, yeah. across there. Now, by the end of June, the trail riders made their last crossing of the Cimarron River on the border of the sovereign state of Kansas and embarked on a detour leading to Dodge City. Now, the new route had become necessary a few years before when the state's government had bowed to pressure from settlers who was afraid that Texas cattle would infect their own livestock with tick fever. Oh, I thought they were going to Cheyenne. They are, but they had to make a detour. That's a big detour. That's a big detour because those people did not want them their cattle in with theirs because of tick fever. So with their animals now excluded from south-central Kansas, the trail drivers now faced a grueling 100-mile push to the Arkansas over virtually waterless country. At the herd's normal speed, traveling 100 miles would have taken about eight days. Okay. By then, the trail boss, Arnett, knew the parked cattle might be dead or dying. He decided, therefore, to make the run in four days of double-speed driving. Oh, my. So, the cattle went on the trail at sunrise on July 1st. Now, you know, July, it's going to be hot, Zeb. Uh, You've been in that country in July? No, I have not. It's humid and sticky and ugly. hot. Yes. So, they took off at sunrise. They rested and grazed during the noonday sun, then marched on until well after sundown. Holy cow. And this harsh routine was followed the next day and the next. Then the cowboys got lucky. A rain squall provided a few puddles along the trail to relieve the cattle. And by the time they reached the Arkansas River near Dodge City, they were able to water without over-drinking. Yeah. Now, 
Zeb, you've heard of that, that oh, yeah. horses or cows or even people, yep. if they get really, really thirsty and are dying of thirst, you can't overdrink because it'll kill people, yep. right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So here's the thing. Had it not rained, they might have suffered two possible consequences. First, the cattle might have become ungovernable after three or four days without water, and the crew would have discovered that the animals had gone blind, a common effect of thirst. Now, I didn't know that. Yeah. That cattle would go blind yeah, yeah. W- without water. There's all kinds of things that were jeopardies for the trail yeah. herds. Yeah. Everything. So that's the first thing that could have happened. Or second, the cattle, unable to smell water ahead, might have turned back to the last drinking place they remembered, perhaps three or four days behind them, yep. and many would have perished. It would have been a mess. Yeah, it, they would have been gone. Yep. Anyway, once the drive was nearly over, it was customary for trail bosses to let a herd lie over for a couple of days while the men rested. But it so happened that the Texas owner of this herd was kind of an ornery cuss, and he did not like his men even to curse, much less go carousing in a town. Didn't want them to do anything outside of what he wanted. After being on the trail? Yeah. So, but, and they weren't done yet. They're as strict as you are. <laughs> That's right. So the trail boss allowed Fletcher and some of the boys only a few hours to visit Dodge. few so, hours? A few hours. So in and out, you know. So the crew put the herd back on the trail on July 6th for the last leg of the drive, 380 miles through Kansas towards Wyoming. Now, a few days beyond Dog City, the crew passed the carcass of a horse and nearby the grave of its rider, both having been killed by lightning. Mm. And I didn't know this, but one of the commonest causes of death on the trail, and perhaps the prairie's most spectacular sight, said one vivid account of the phenomena was lightning. Yeah. Now, I don't, I've never heard of this, Deb, but here's the quote uh, of one cowboy. It says about lightning, it says, It first commenced like flash lightning, then came forked lightning, then chain lightning, Followed by the peculiar blue lightning. Right. After that show. That went across the cattle's horns. After that show, it rapidly developed into ball lightning, which rolled along the ground. Yep. Then, most, most wonderful at all, it settled down on us like fog. Yeah. So the air smelled of burning sulfur, and this is what you just said. You could see it on the horns of the cattle, the ears of our horses, and the brims of our hats. It grew so warm, we thought we might burn up. Yeah. Now, I'd never heard of all those types of lightning yeah. before. But uh, the herd Some like, of the old Western movies depicted that. The different types. Yeah, like uh, I think in the movie Red River with uh, John Wayne, and I can't think who the other actor was. I think they had that in there. And then some of the TV shows, I remember Rawhide had the TV series had one of those, too. Okay. Well, the herd's luck held. It weathered July's thunder squalls, and with no uh, casualties to either livestock or men, as it moved westward through the Platte River Valley to Wyoming, the land rose until the herd was traveling at an altitude of 4,000 feet. Whoa. Though the noon sun still bore down hard, the nights were starting to get cold yeah. and chilly. For Remember, these guys are Texans. They were raised in the Gulf Coast down there. They're, they're not used to this yeah. cold weather. Well, with a little more than 100, mi- 100 miles to go, they branched off the Platte Valley and began following a section of an, out, an old Mormon trail 
from which they emerged onto a broad plateau some 6,000 feet above sea level, and there, strung out in a distant line of stone and snow, lay the Rocky Mountains. Snow? Yeah. Oh, my. Well, the Rocky Mountains, you know, yeah. at the tops, there would have been snow. What time of year was this now this they finally got there? This would have been uh, towards the end of July. Wow. So there still could have been some yeah. snow, you know, up yeah. on. But here's what Fletcher wrote. He said, I feasted my eyes for several days on the backbone of America. And that must have been quite a sight for a Texas boy to see those Rocky Mountains. Yeah. Uh, on August 15, 1879, Fletcher and his fellow riders, all tired, bearded, shaggy-haired, and dirty, arrived at their destination near Cheyenne and turned their head over to its purchaser, the Swan Brothers Cattle Company, one of the most powerful outfits in the West. Have you ever heard of that? Swan Brothers? Swan Brothers Cattle Company up uh, in Wyoming. In Cheyenne. Yeah. Uh, I can't say that I've heard that name, but... Uh, yeah. So at one time they must have been one of the biggest. So how many miles total was that? 1,200 miles. 1,200 miles. And yeah. they averaged how many miles per day? Uh, Roughly about 10 or 12? I'm going to say maybe a little more than that. A little sometimes. more? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when this odyssey had begun, uh, Fletcher was a boy who worked with cows. Now, after passing the supreme test of the long drive, he was a cowboy, fit to ride with the best into the history of the Old West. Wow. Now, Zeb, I know that you're a, a lover of poetry, and that you write poems quite, quite I often. I like it. And there's a, little, there's a couple of poems I want to read. I can't wait. Okay. Uh, this is called Little Joe the Wrangler. Oh, I know that one. Do you? You bet. Okay. Little Joe the Wrangler was called out with the rest, though the kid had scarcely reached the herd, when the cattle they stampeded like a hailstorm, long they fled. Then we were all a-riding for the lead. The next morning, just at daybreak, we found where his horse fell, down in a washout, twenty feet below, and beneath the horse, mashed to a pulp, his spur had rung the nail, was our little Texas stray, Poor Wrangling Joe. Yep, yep. Yeah. Little Joe the Wrangler. Yeah. Now, here's another one you may have heard. It's called the Old Chisholm Trail. Okay. And this is a guy talking. He says, I'm up in the morning afore daylight, and afore I sleep, the moon shines bright. No shaps and no slicker, and it's pouring down rain. And I swear by gosh that I'll never night hurt again. Oh, it's bacon and beans most every day. I'd as soon be eating prairie hay. I went to the boss to draw my roll. Draw my roll. He had it figured out. I was nine dollars in the hole. <laughs> I'll sell my horse and I'll sell my saddle, but you can go to heck with your longhorn cattle. And I'm absolutely positive that it was written in the form of heck. It was. Yeah. I'll show it to you after the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I know we've just you've got a few minutes, but so. Uh, there was one company called the XIT Spread in yes. Western Texas. Yes, They had some rules about their people, and I'm going to read those rules. No employee of the company or of any contractor doing work for the company is permitted to carry on or about his person or in his saddlebags any pistol, dirk, dagger, slingshot, knuckles, boy knife, or any other simp- instruments of offense or defense. Really? That was a rule. Here's another one. Card playing and gambling of every description, whether engaged in by employees or by persons not in the service of the company, is strictly forbidden. Employees are strictly forbidden the use of vinous, malt, spiritus, or intoxicating liquors during their time of service with the company. You wouldn't have had any fun at all. (laughs) Zeb, you know I don't drink, (laughs) and neither do you. (laughs) 
Here's the next one. <laughs> Loafers, sweaters, deadbeats, tramps, gamblers, or disreputable persons must not be entertained at any camp, nor will employees be permitted to give, loan, or sell such persons any grain or provisions of any kind, nor shall persons be permitted to remain on the company's land under any pretext whatsoever. Employees are not allowed to run Mustang, Antelope, or any kind of game on the company's horses. No employee shall be permitted to own any cattle or stock horses on the ranch. Well, is there anything they could do? Uh, Here's what the owner said at the end of this. He said, it is the aim of owners of this ranch to conduct it on the principle of right and justice to everyone and for it to be excelled by no other in the good behavior, sterling honesty and integrity and general high character of its employees. And to this end, it is necessary that the foregoing rules be adhered to and the violation of any of them will be just charged for discharge. Holy smokes, you're too strict for me. (laughs) Wow. Well, I, I've well, got to run. I'm late. Yes. <laughs> and, and the nice thing I noticed about what you brought today is that you brought a book that I could see you behind. Yes, and I brought my brother. Yeah. My brother, Roger. Yeah. He drove me out here. He's a nice man. He is. Very nice man. Yeah. Very quiet and sophisticated. <laughs> He is. He was the band teacher out in Declan, but I'm not supposed to drive yet, you know, because yeah. of the... Well, it's good to know, because if I see you coming in a vehicle, I'm hitting the barrel. <laughs> you better take a shortcut somewhere. It's good to have you back. Thank you. Good to be back. And ladies and gentlemen, how about a great big round of applause for Dr. History. There Thanks, you yeah. go.